Hello, and welcome to Shakespeare, the roundtable discussion podcast where we talk about Shakespeare. My name is Chase, your mostly quiet producer. Today, we start talking about a play that you have heard of, but probably haven't seen. All's well that ends well. Make sure to check us out at our new home at shakespearepod.com and the rest of the network at ghostlightmedia.net. And now, on with the show. Those were awesome and all. He wasn't a twat waffle. Speaking of twat waffles. We're going to talk about this play that we're here to talk about? Is that what we're, is that, is we that probably what? should get to it at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so indeed. this play I'm going to rename All's Well That Ends Well When I Guess You Marry a Twat Waffle for No Good Fucking Reason. Get yourself emancipate. I would like... To begin this, the Shakespeare podcast. Oh, <gasps> she started it. She oh, started she it. said oh the name. Oh my god, she started it. Um, I mean, she's got to say her name. Yeah, you got to say. I do. I'm willing to do that this time because I have such good content to kick us off with. Okay. I'm Cassie Greenley. I'm Ryan Hatfill. I'm Chase Greenley. I'm leaving. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm you Beth can't Lors. leave. You're recording. <laughs> I. I mean. Watch how I soar. <laughs> no, I'm Chase Greenlee. That was Beth Roars. This is the Shakespeare podcast. And I think Cassie's about to snipe am, my intro because she loves it so I, much. I am. I'm going to read to you the introduction, the beginning of the introduction from the Pelican Shakespeare edition of All's Well That Ends Well. All's Well That Ends Well has always been a stepchild among Shakespeare's plays. <laughs> we call this a problem play. <laughs> Usually it has been viewed as self-evidently one of Shakespeare's worst. A thing of shreds <laughs> and patches, scratched over by a master's hand upon a poor original, a repository of juvenile and even fatuous couplets alternating with passages of maturely wrought blank verse, a play in which the conduct of the narrative is undignified, the ethics of the plot, especially the bed trick, reprehensible, the clowning, such as it is, uncouth, the part of Parolus, irrelevant, Bertram, yep. re- irredeemably disagreeable, Helena, for all her virtue, too scheming, and the whole, despite incidental felicities, a rather nasty play. I'm going to say Helena, too scheming? What the fuck, dude? A rather, like a nasty, rather nasty play. play. Jeez, Pelican, tell us how you really feel. No, but that's accurate, she, though. She, it is. She it's a nasty bitch. She nasty. That is that is one hundred percent accurate. So, so let's start talking about this one that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah. So I had I had never read this play. Nope. Um, and I want to say that I read it with such careful consideration that I read other plays that we have uh, done. But after I got through, uh, we'll call him Little John Falstaff, talking in very body terms about virginity. With Helena in the first act, I was like, mm, we're just going to read this for plot points, and we're not, oh, God. And the more I got into it, the more I'm like, geez, let's go, let's read Pericles again. I thought I'd never say it. What's the point of this play? I, uh, let's, let's go back to King John. I'd read, yes, King I'd John read gets such a bad rap. King this, John is still bad. This may be the worst. This no. is my least favorite. No. Troilus and Cressida. Troilus and Cressida at least had, like... Like, That's creepy. What are we? What are we going to make super funny about this? Well, creepy uncle was super funny in Troilus and Cressida. <laughs> creepy uncle just standing there with Troilus and Cressida trying to push their faces together. Now kiss. 
fight, fight, fight. Now he's, he's. Now he um, is. I had read the first scene of this show. I read the first scene of the show a few months ago when I got it confused with As You Like It. <laughs> and read the first scene going, I've seen As You Like It, and I don't recognize any of these characters. I don't characters. know what the dicks is on? happening here. So we, and, and then we, realized I was reading the wrong one. We start off really confusing. So as far as this being... A, like as as the authors and scholars at Pelican have said, a nasty play. It starts off so confusing because you've got the Countess talking about her son Bertram. Yes, yes, who will be a focal point of the play, and they're talking be a about focal point of a, the play. <laughs> Ooh, look her at husband, you! Look at you! That was some good. Her punning. husband, Bertram's father, the Count of Rosillian, has died. Right, so he's died. But then, sending off my son, I see my father. Or I see my husband die again, and then it kind of sounds like she's going to marry the king, but that never resolves into anything. It else. doesn't, but it's kind of on the table. Like maybe I'll go marry the king now. Right? But she's sending. She's throwing her it out son. there. She's. She's. I could do know. it. I could marry a king. It's fine. She's throwing <laughs> it against the wall. See what sticks. <laughs> I could take your king if I want to. But she's she's sending her son, <laughs> Mrs. Steel your king, <laughs> to the court of the king of France yeah. to basically take on his father's role because he's a count. His father was a counselor to the king, and so now it's Bertram's job to go and be a counselor to the king. Right, and, and which is too bad because he's an idiot. But then we've also got he's another a fuck boy. We meet, he's yeah. a, oh my god, yes, he's a fuck boy. Yes, I hate that term, but yeah, he's a fuck. No, boy. yeah, yeah, it's a stupid term, but yeah, he's a fuck boy. Um, so, but he's there's also another dead father. There's Helena, and her father was this prominent physician, and he died about six months ago. Right. And she has been kind of taken in by their household. Did anybody look? And she fell in love with Bertram. And she's Chad, in love the fuck boy. <laughs> she's in love with Bertram Chad <laughs> for his many charms. He but must, he's, he's not, he pretty. Like the turn of his leg must be good. <laughs> yeah, he's got very fine ankles. But she's not saying anything. Huge, huge tracks of land. Huge yeah. tracks of land. <laughs> she caught him in the shower. Scene. So anyway, Bertram leaves to go to court. And then they talk about how the king is sick with this illness that nobody can cure. Fistula. Did anybody look it up? Nope. I didn't either. So I didn't look up conti- fistula. Continue no. talking. I'm going to try to look up fistula but, real quick. But yes, so it sounds like not she, something I want to look up. She yeah, has, no. has fallen Gross. in love with him because apparently, and really the only way to cast Bertram is a... Someone incredibly good looking. Very good looking But at this boy. point, at this point in the play, we have no reason to believe any ill of Bertram. No, because he hasn't talked yet. He hasn't said really. very much. He like <laughs> talked to his mom a little bit, and then he leaves. He really, he really hasn't spoken, so we don't have a reason. And to then, all right. So then, the countess is talking to Helena. What is a fistula? It is an abnormal connection between two tubular bodies. So it could be an aorta fistula between an uh, artery and a vein, an anal fistula between the skin and the anus, or uh, an abstract, an abstract. Whatever. It Anal be- fistula sounds like a dark metal band. <laughs> but um, I would not go see, but probably he's playing at Howard's next week. Might be. Might be. <laughs> so he's got some right weird... goiter jelly. He's got a tubular disorder. But nobody can cure it. I forgot about goiter jelly. They played everywhere. They like- they played- oh, that was a real one? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, goiter jelly was legit they, a real band. Yeah, they played everywhere in like the early 2000s. They were all over They were Toledo. all over Bowling Green and, and there were so many. Area. They weren't. They were not very good. I'm sorry if you were part of the band. I don't remember if who you, was in it. If you were in goiter <laughs> um, jelly, uh, sorry. 
but I kept, I was always so angry because we would go to Howard's at the end of the night and you'd walk up and it's like a Wednesday and they'd be like, uh, $10 cover. And I'm like, why? Goiter Jelly's playing. I'm like, I'm not giving them $10. I'm not giving anyone $10 to see Goiter Jelly. I'm sorry. Well, you have to get here before 7. I'm also not going to Howard's before 7. No, you don't go to Howard's sober. No, well, no, that's not true. Well, I mean, Thanksgiving Day you do. Sometimes you go to Howard's at Okay, sure, on a special occasion. Sometimes you go to Howard's at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. That's right. And sometimes it's raining outside and it smells like cat pee in there. Mm. Yup. It usually smells like cat pee in there. But I love it. (laughs) I feel like we've gotten off track. Is it because I'm talking? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Howard's is kind of like the vibe of Howard's is kind of the vibe of Berkshire. They're opening for goiter jelly and... (laughs) Uh, that's what the the king of France has. And so, an yeah, so Helena is talking to the countess and she goes, so you know how my dad was this great physician before he died? He left me like all of these procedures and recipes for medicines. And I think he left me what I need to go cure the king. And the countess is like, oh, and that's the, uh, that's the only reason you want to go to court, right? Is to go that. And I'd like to bone your son. Well, to- she won't admit it. The countess is like, do you love my son? And Helena's like, no, of course not. Don't. No, no more than I ought. No. Uh, no. And finally You think she... he's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that broke Ryan. It was the look on Beth's face. No, um, no I don't. You, you think he's pretty. <laughs> but she eventually gets Helena to admit, yes, I am in love with your son. And the countess is like, that's great. Because I love you. You are awesome. And yeah, I would you're, really you're great. love to have you. You should to totally you. take my son Chad to Pound Town. <laughs> I would love to have you as a daughter. So go to court. Cure the king. Go get him, girl. I got your back. You do you. Do you. Get some. Yeah. Get I want you it. in my house. I would rather have you than Chad. Yeah, that's true. She would much rather yes. have Helena than Chad. So and as as the countess is leaving and everybody, like Helena standing alone going, I don't know if I can do this. I wish my dad wasn't dead. And in walks... The most uh, worthless waste of space him, in I'm a Shakespeare call him play. because I don't remember his name. Paroles. 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 Oh, but it's we'll probably it French. Peralta. Peralta. Paroles. Uh, but he he's walks. awful. So when I started, pierogi comes when, in. Pierogi. There so we go. So when I started reading his his vibe, his jazz, whatever, I'm like, oh, he could be a good clown. He could like he's got some witty things, and there are some witty grotesquely sexual things that he and Helena are bantering back and forth while they're talking about virginity and um, how women wear virginity like armor into battle. And that is a recurring theme in this play. That's, it yeah, is. The, talking the, about the, whole the value of it. Thing is the virgin like thing is the entirety of this play. But it's, it's interesting because it's not part of this play in quite the same way that it's part of others. Because... It is almost a weaponized thing sometimes, and well, her sexuality becomes so weaponized. Yeah, but but it's like yeah, but that's because instead of being beaten down by the value that society is placing on their virginity in this play, it feels like the women are like saying, "All right, I'm going to use that at least for my own benefit." some, Some leverage out of it. Yeah, so they're they're almost weaponizing it, but we're gonna. Put a pin in that. And because I can't get up anymore to put pins on the wall in this setup with the microphone, they're just going to go on the table. Maybe maybe anal fistula is opening for weaponized virginity. 
Goiter Jelly has been kicked off the, the docket. Sorry. I'm slightly concerned that anal fistula could be weaponized against virginity. Oh. I'd like to get off this train. Rectum damn near killed him. <laughs> I really want to get off this train. I don't know this how to train this. This train goes in a circle. Like, I apologize. It's, this a is, it's a loop. This is not the trip I signed up well, for. Cassie. Part of comedy is called callback. <laughs> we're down. We're downtown Chicago. This is the loop. Anyway, <laughs> Helena gets the better of paroles in this progi in this conversation, which kind of leads him Pierogi. to have a vendetta against her, right? For the rest of the play, which I guess is the only purpose of this scene. Um, but well, yeah, she's basically saying, "I'm going to go to court, and I'm going to see what I can do, and I'm going to see Bertram, and we're going to see what happens." And he he's says, "Captain Side, you plot. can go to court, but I am going to stop you." And he does. Pierogi's is he's captain side plot. He's, yeah, but it's he's unnecessary. Little, it's a completely unnecessary side plot, but we'll talk about that more. We can. He is little John Falstaff. He arrives at the court. Bertram gets to Bertram the court. Bertram goes Bertram to, court. to court, and the king's like, oh, "I really liked your dad." And he goes, "Yeah, me too." Scene. Basically, yes, that so, is basically Act One, Scene Two. All of Act One are these like mini scenes to the point yeah. where you're like, "Am I in Act Two? No, it's actually it's actually unusual for Shakespeare because a lot of the time his Act One is often like one very long scene, right? And Act Five is usually seventeen. A bunch of a bunch of very small scenes, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, scene two is just Bertram arriving at the court and talking a little bit about King's gonna die, and then we have the we go to scene three and we have the Countess and the clown of this play, who's not funny. His name is Lavach. We did forget one of my favorite characters in the first scene because every time, well, he's only my favorite. One of my, well, I don't like. Uh, how do I say this? One of my favorite names. Okay. Because there is Lord Lafue. Yeah. And yeah, it, but he's also kind of a waste of space. He serves he, no purpose. Except for every time I see the name Lafue, I go Lafue. I'm afraid I've been thinking <laughs> <laughs> a dangerous pastime. I know. And it happened. I was so bored with the play that literally every time his name appeared, I was like, mm. oh, "I gotta stop thinking about Beauty and the Beast." You start, you start going. <laughs> At least you were thinking about the best song in Beauty and the Beast. You, I'm afraid I've been thinking. Well, of course, right? Nobody fucks like Gaston. That's not what they said. <laughs> it, I know that you've always thought that that's what Nobody they're saying. Nobody fucks butts like Gaston. No, that's still. It's not. It's not what they're saying in that. I want to get off this train. <laughs> Nobody has an anal fistula. <laughs> Nobody lifts trucks like Gaston. I don't know. Gaston does a lot of things, and I don't know what he does, but nobody does them like he does. You guys, we're only on scene three of Act One. Yeah. We're only 15 minutes in. That's fine. Yeah, it's we're good. Shot. Okay, so we go back that's to the Countess. Gotta, we got to make filler. And Lavach, the clown, wants to get married, and she's questioning why, and he's being trying to be funny but not really succeeding yeah he's not he's not Lavage funny. is he's not a not, very funny clown at no, all. no he's not witty um he will lose when it comes to battle of the fools yeah. and this is actually the scene we were talking about before where helena says i'm gonna go to the court of a king oh yeah this actually happens here in in scene three that's okay um so we've already covered this basically i thought we were pretty close to scene two so scene two act two rather is the king talking more about I'm sick. I'm dying. I don't want anybody else to try and cure me because there's no use. The best Nobody, position nobody's is going to be able can. to succeed. Let me just live out the rest of my life. Let's go fight Florence. Uh, I think it's good for my legacy. 
It'll make me feel better. Fuck the Florentines. So Lefeu is who brings Helena into the court and is like, you've tried all their snake oil. Try her snake oil now. And the king goes, what? Her? But what? She, she's a woman. What how could can, she know? How can this woman heal me? Well, women know some stuff. But eventually she's like, uh, I mean, it's not really my cure. It's like my dad's it's cure. It's my dad's cure, but I think it'll work. And the king goes, yeah. why should I believe you? And he basically goads her into eventually saying, listen, I'm so confident in my father's work and my ability to cure you that if it fails and you die, kill me too. But wait. But more. if you agree to that, because the king's like, yeah, okay, sounds cool. She says, but if you're going to agree to that, you have to agree to the flip side, which is if I do cure you, you have to give me a reward. What reward would you like? I would like to marry someone from your court. As yeah. long as it's not my not a family. Royal, not a royal. I'm not worthy enough of royal blood, but give, like a second tier husband from give, your court. Give, give me a B side. <laughs> give me a B side man. Give me a B tier husband. In fact, if we follow the B side B-side man out of you. Like Bertram. I'm going to make a B side man. And the king agrees to this. He goes, okay, fine. If you succeed and you cure me, I will bring all of the single B-tier men from my court in here. You can pick a husband. They'll have to marry you. Yes, absolutely. And it's interesting to me because this is usually the arrangement we see with genders reversed. Yeah, usually it's the guy this making This is usually the guy who gets deal, to like, like, choose a wife. Hey. Not Helena. Hey, that, that girl cute. Uh, make me a deal. <laughs> I like that Bertram is the prize. Okay. Okay, Bertram's a shitty prize, though. But she doesn't ask for Bertram. She just says... Right, but having... It is so often the trope that a woman, a damsel, is the prize. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. To have a male be a prize to be won is satisfying. It is nice to have that flipped. It just... Seriously pick a better prize. Yeah. Like... Write a better feminist play. This Chad motherfucker is terrible. So, and the Countess knows it. The Countess is aware. Oh, yeah. Because in the next scene, His the Countess mom. is like talking to the clown for some reason. She's like, I just uh, worried about Helena. I'm worried about her. She's interested in my fuckboy son. Clown, go to Paris. Take this message to Helena. Tell her my kid's an ingrate and she should probably do better. Which isn't actually what she says. No, but I mean... Close enough. It should be. That's what her heart says. It's what my heart says. It's deep in her heart. Um, So she sends the clown off. So (laughs) Helena got away from the dumbass clown. And now she's back with the clown. Um, So the king is cured. Who's surprised? Are you surprised? Well, no. We were very early on in the play, so I'm not surprised. Oh, okay. Well, the rest of the play could be about her trying to get out of getting killed for not caring. That would have been interesting. But yeah, it would have been does, more she interesting, in certainly. carrying the king, oh, yeah. and so he, as promised, he gathers all of the B-tier men of his court into a room and goes, go ahead, pick your husband from anyone in here. And so she wanders through the ballroom, and she goes, hmm, you're kind of handsome. I might like to marry you. And the guy she's talking to goes, yeah, that'd be, you're really successful and pretty and smart, and yeah, I'll you're, be down for that. You're like a pretty doctor lady, she's like, sure. Mm, doctor no. I'm here for it. Yeah, no, Quinn. not you. And Medicine she goes woman. through... Dr. Quinn? (laughs) Way to go, Chase. Slipping in like an early 90s Jane Seymour reference. 
Well, I mean, it's better than now Jane Seymour, where all she does is hawk jewelry. No, she also plays demon characters on several shows. I don't know about that. Well, you should look into it. It's Apparently. Terrifying. That sounds that sounds good. It's not. Ah. No. Well, now I'm bummed about Jane Seymour. I'll go back to thinking about Dr. Quinn. Yeah, it was good times. Anyway, yeah. she goes through until she finds Bertram, and she says... This is the one. This is the man I want. I want to marry Count Bertram. And Bertram's response is, Ew, no, gross. You have cooties. You're poor and I hate you. I can't marry a poor doctor. I need to marry a poor lawyer? I don't know what I want. But it's not you. But whatever it is, it's not you. Tell you. But the king goes, uh, um, I made a promise. I told her. She could. And so she will. And, and here, so you've got to. So shut is, your house. Shut is, your damn mouth. I'm going to defend Helena here for a second. Not in her choice of men, but in her impulses and her motivations. Because she does this whole thing. She's playing coy. She picks Bertram. He very forcefully denounces her. And then the king's like, no, you gotta. And she has a line that says that you are well restored, my lord. I'm glad. Let the rest go. So she, at this point, once Bertram has said, I don't want to marry you, she goes, okay, okay, then we don't have to. If you don't want it, then that's fine. And she's willing to say, I'll step away. It's okay. Yeah. I, I told your mother that I wasn't worthy of you. You don't love me. Okay, fine. But the king is the one who goes, no, no, no. My honor is at stake now because I made a promise you're going to fucking marry her. But eventually, the king's like, you've got to. You've got to. And so they and, and get you, married. Neither one of you can bail out of this. Burton's like, fine, but I'll never love you. And and he's super rude. Yeah. Just unnecessarily rude about all this. Like, I get it. You don't want to be given away as a prize. Welcome to the world of women in this time period. Snap. <laughs> and he's like, no, Peralta, I'm going to run away to war. Yeah, I, would so rather, I would rather go to war than marry this attractive healer who saved the king's life and has his favor because I'm a fuckboy Chad. And he tells Helena... But he's not enough of a fuckboy to consummate the marriage. Yeah, he doesn't... They don't even... No. He's so mad about it that they get married and literally he does nothing else except I'm going to ride off to war. And she goes, hey... Well, he um, he tells her... you've You've got like a husbandly duty that we should do at some point and he goes no 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 i will not allow you to claim me as a husband until you possess this ring that's on my finger that's been in my family for generations that i will never part with and are pregnant with my child good luck with that since i won't sleep with you bye i'm going to italy (laughs) the first time a chad has ever chosen not to fuck someone it's so petty but also writes his mother a letter right to like send back and go this is telling my mother all of the horrible things that have happened to me since I left. Right. Dear diary. I'm sending her to you to wait my leisure. Which sounds terrible. Dear diary. Let's get tacos. <laughs> what? All right. Because he's, now he's being an emo bitch. So the clown, who unfortunately now has to take Helen back to the countess. Poor Helen. Poor Helena. Hanging out with a clown. The clown's an idiot. This is a terrible clown. So, and she runs into Peraltis, who's like, hey, yeah, your husband got called away by serious business. And she's like, yeah, bitch, I know. He told me. He told me he doesn't want to be married to me, and he told me he's leaving for the war. And by serious business that he was called away by, I mean, 
He left. He left. So you have to go back to his mom's house. That's my house, too. That's fine. I like his fucking mom. She's pretty cool. Well, go there and obediently await his pleasure. Um, Okay. It's what I was doing anyway. Yeah. Why are you running in here throwing shade? That's all. Like, yes, that's all true. Good job. You're right. But it's all shit I already knew. (laughs) Why are you even here, pierogi? It's shit I already knew. That's why he annoys me. It's because the things that he says, they're not they're not witty and it's not helping. And they're right. not useful. And so then the very end we So that's that's act two. Yep. And then we start act three by going and having some Ouch. some Frenchmen talking to the Duke of Florence and basically going, Oh, we're coming for you. We're gonna fight you. It's gonna be a big deal, except that it spoilers, it's not a big deal at all. This your war is like barely was a happening. And your father <laughs> smelled of elderberries. They're French after all. It's they, true. They are. Uh, for once, the French aren't fighting the English. Direction. Yeah, no, not? yeah, they're farting. farting. <laughs> they're fighting the Italians, the Italians for once. You guys should uh, be our allies. We don't want to be your allies. Oh, I don't understand. Be our allies. Come on, be our guests. So that's, that's two Beauty yes. references. I play. will <laughs> make several more because <laughs> Lafew keeps coming up, and I keep thinking about so it. So then we we go back to the Countess who has her her son's letter from the fool, and the letter says, "I just I can't. I have to read it. <laughs> you have to read it. I do. Oh, it's bad. I have sent you a daughter-in-law. She hath recovered the king and undone me." I have wedded her, not bedded her, and sworn to make the not eternal. You shall hear I am run away. Know it before the report come. If there be breadth enough in the world, I will hold a long distance. My duty to you, your unfortunate son, Bertram. And bless the countess. Like, bless her. She reads this letter and goes, my son is a fuckboy. That she ra- goes, she, I'm sorry, but the Elizabethan term is rash and unbridled This is boy. not well. My son like, is a... Wanted- my Dumbass son, idiot. My son's a bitch. This is not well. And yet again, he writes another nasty ass letter to Helena. To Helena, yeah. With his just, it just, I hate you. You smell bad. Your vagina's a fish taco, and I hope you die. Pretty much, right? I'm going to I'm gonna put on a sloth uh, costume. When thou canst get the ring upon my finger, which never shall come off, and show me a child begotten of thy body that I am father to, then call me husband. But in such a then, I write a never. A uh, uh, never. We are never, ever, ever getting back together. And, then, and so once the Countess has talked to Helena, who is like super embarrassed and upset by all of this, the Countess goes, no, 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 Bertram honey. really likes my No, 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 romance. no, no, honey. I am disowning him. I don't, I don't care. He yeah. likes my son. Yeah, he's not my son. You're he's my daughter. He's not my son anymore. You're my daughter. I'm on your side. He's a fucking idiot. I also really like, he's like, I will not return to France while you remain my wife. Which Helena should have been like, sweet. Thanks. I got France in the divorce. Awesome sauce. Awesome. But instead I got your family and France. The instead whole she's country. like, oh no. Well, I'll leave so he can come back to France because I am a true and virtuous bitch. She, because she's, for some reason, still, still in love with him and she doesn't want him to get killed. Well, that's because war. this is an abusive relationship and that she. It, it is, except okay. that he so, has very clearly never encouraged it. It's not well, even no, like I'm not an Angela encouraged situation. It, but she has entered into so, an abusive relationship with But Chad. you have to ask which side is the abusiveness on? 
I'm not saying that it's not on both of them. Because when we had the exact same thing happen in the play where the guy dresses up as a priest and then runs around the outside of the town. Measure for measure. Thank you. The exact same thing happens in Measure for Measure. Oh, yeah. The gender Mm -hmm. swapped and the virtuous woman there just keeps going, I don't want to marry you or anyone else. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be with you. I don't like you. I don't want you. And the guy kept coming at her and we're like, oh, man, that guy's an asshole. But as I am reading this, this is my own bias showing through. I'm like, why is this guy being such a dick? Well, it's it's both, right? Yeah. Because he is. is a dick. He's a and, giant dick. And she is. is not coming at him. And that's that's what But she did manipulate it. the situation. Oh, no, yeah. She's a schemer. But right? And that's, that's, that's the theme of this play. It is. But the thing for me, at least up to this point, at up to this point, I don't put fault on Helena because she was in love with Bertram. She went to court. Yeah, it was a little underhanded to do this whole thing with the king to, like, win a husband as a prize. But she, when she realized he didn't want it, she was willing to step back and back away. The king forced them both into it. That's true. And so now she's not pursuing him. She's not following him. In fact, she's saying, you know what, if he, he's off fighting in this war because I'm here and he hates me that much. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave France so that he can come back and not be killed. I will so remove she, myself from the equation, and she's willing to do that until she learns and maybe, just how much of a this fuckwit he's being. This okay, is probably and, and a pin. Also, this is probably a pin for us yes. because we will go on and on about this in comparing this forced marriage to the other forced marriages. So, also with this too, um, you know, she's in love with Chad. And and goes to you know Yes, I know. She literally literally puts herself at mortal risk to try and and win the hand of Chad in marriage. Um and then still this is how you know, how everything goes. Now, do I think that, you know, this forced marriage is any better than any other forced marriage that we've come across in Shakespeare? No. No, it's just from a different side, right? Yeah, different point of view. All right. But also, that does not make Bertram less of a douchebag. Yeah. But anyway, the Nothing conclusion... Nothing makes him less of a douchebag. The conclusion bag. of this scene is her saying, if he won't return to France while I'm here, then I will leave, so that he can come home and not be in danger. Now, the next scene is another one of those short ones. And this seems to be, like, maybe Shakespeare hates Bertram. Because any scene that is solely driven by Bertram is tiny. Very short. Because this one is just... This I, is literally 12 lines Yeah. Long. I make you the general. Gee, thanks. Like, that's it. Yeah. So, moving past. So, for some reason, we need to know that he's a general now. Um, And if I were the cast or crew doing this and my director made me do that scene, I'd be like, what the, why did I have to change to a battle scene? And now we're going right back to the Countess's house. Yeah. Why the hell did we do an entire scene change for 12 lines? And I, I could see it in a high school production where the tech crew is students and so it's a little slow and so the audience like the audience is sitting there it's like one of those 45 second long scene changes (laughs) on either side literally (laughs) literally both sides it's bookended by a minute and a half when you have to go to a meeting change and the drive there and back is longer than the meeting itself you're like what the fuck was this meeting could have been an email (laughs) well this scene could have been a fucking email it could have been a call yeah (laughs) 
And so, the, so everybody Helena, check your phones in the middle of this scene yeah. change. In, read the, these in lines. the previous scene, <laughs> just just look at the just look at the script here. <laughs> they just print the script right in in the goddamn just, just program. Just read it; you'll get it faster. Um, but at this point, we'd like you to turn to <laughs> this page. <laughs> All right. So Helena didn't tell the countess she was doing this. She just left and left the countess a letter. Yeah. So again. The Countess gets a lot of notes. If she was illiterate, she'd be so confused. <laughs> luckily, luckily, the Countess is actually pretty awesome. So she is. She leaves a letter saying, I run off to be a pilgrim. at So that your son can come home safely. So, St. Jack's. Which, I have a theory that fits in with our traveling friar. Yeah, she does Edit. pretend to be dead later. Uh, 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 yep. So, we're yep. going to, we definitely come back to St. Jack's. So she runs off to St. Jack's, um, Jack Quest to bother Ryan. <laughs> and, it, and, and says, Bertram is now free of marital ties. I've gone to a fucking nunnery. And, and the, the countess is like, oh, God damn it, Bertram. I don't want him. I want her. This sucks. And then she looks at the clown and she goes, shut the fuck up. <laughs> the fruit of my loins is a bitch. I want this one. Um, Go get her back. Did we skip? Th- I think we skipped the scene where, for some reason, Pierogi is calling Bertram sweetheart through the whole thing. Uh, did you remember no, that I scene? Think we're, I think that's the next scene. Is that the next one? Because it was kind of weird. Because now we it was got- a weird vibe. So we're going to move forward. This I think actually should have been where the act break was, and it's not because now we're taking a complete shift in the middle of an act, and it throws me. So we meet the widow and Diana. And this is Helena is now in Italy. She's in Italy. Yeah, she she went she went to get away from Chad, but went to where Chad was. Well, were well, you going to go to Germany? No. With, with the understanding that then Italy. she instructs the countess to write to her son and say she's left. You can come home. So she's going to Italy, but she is expecting Bertrand to be on his Also, let's not forget that Rome is always like it's like just down the road. It's just okay, down the road. You can say that she it's expected a half Bertrand ride. to be back on his way to France. But we all know that she did not go to Italy. Um, still, she could have literally gone. She could have gone anywhere. anywhere. And she's like, maybe I'll go. Well, yeah. Shakespeare only writes about Britain, France, and Italy. So it's true. It's true, though. And she's from France, so she's not going to zip across the channel and be welcome. So the widow and Diana. I don't know. It depends on the time frame. That's true. So the widow and Diana. They're in Florence now. They're in and, Florence. She meets them by chance. Right. It's not chance that she went to Florence. No. no. Well, no. First, like, first Bertram and Parolis meet the widow and Diana. Because first, Bertram has to decide that Diana is the goddess of love. We he's, don't see that, though. We just hear about that. He's got to get the hots for Diana, though. Yeah. Because well, they because he's been, a, he's been a fucking rapscallion and a fucking roustabout yeah. but Helena over shows there up. seducing virgins. And yeah, the Helena fucking... shows up in Florence, and she makes the acquaintance of this widow and her daughter. And she's like, so share with me the news of Florence. And the widow's like, you'll never believe. We got this count here who's a fuckwit. He's married. But he's going around telling everybody how awful his wife is and that basically he's not married. And he's like trying to seduce all of our young ladies, including my daughter. And Helena's Helena's like, oh, is he? Oh, yeah? What his name be? (laughs) What his name is? Have I got some news for you? There's a scene that happens slightly before this. Fine. I know. And I know we hate parolees. But. All right, what did pierogi do this time? But it goes to like baby John Falstaff. 
Because for some reason, we need an entire scene, which again isn't very long, in which two other lords come out and go, uh, parolees, you're useless, you're not funny, and you keep running your mouth. So we need to test your courage and your fidelity. And so they're going to run a trial on him that will continue to intersperse. Oh, yeah, the well, yeah, rest this is, this is, play. this is the, this is where the, the unnecessary side plot really kicks in. Right. So we that have to, they have to mention the scene happens. Yeah. So when we have any fallout from well, it. Well, cause we are going to have kickback to, yeah. to this point where, but where I'd rather the, talk uh, about this happens. Helena and her like talking to the widow. Who doesn't get a name? And Diana. Because I think that's more fun. Well, yeah. And of course, and this is the point where she's like, oh, yeah, you've got to count here what his name is. You're like, um, oh, his name is Bert, Bert, Bertleby, Chad. Uh, oh, Bert, count, count Resilium. And she goes, okay. Hi, guys. I'm Countess uh, Resilium. Yeah, that's my husband. Sorry. My, he's sorry. Mine. It's my bad. I should have. Chopped his balls off, and I didn't. It's like when you accidentally let your unfixed dog out and impregnates half the neighborhood. God damn it. Okay. So the widow and her daughter, again, immediately go, oh, well, your husband is kind of a horrible human being. Yeah, He's a real dick. Like, I know, but I still love him for some reason. And they're like, what can we do to help you when punish was- him? So or being such an so awful person. And Widow where... and Diana, have you ever heard of a bed trap? They're like, mm, do you mean where like you put a mouse trap underneath the bed? No, I don't. I mean, this is where it gets rapey. This is where it gets rapey, and <laughs> and this isn't the first. And looking at the plays that we've got left, I think we're out of them now. Yeah, I think I think that this is the last of the rape sex traps, um, specifically. The female rape sex traps. Yeah. And we'll talk about that more with the measure for measure comparison. Because because this is the exact same one as measure for measure. Where I'm going to switch your sexual partner and you aren't going to know about it. Um, It's the the revenge of the nerds move. Yep, exactly. Weirdly, somehow that part got left in the Comedy Central cut. Which seems so, like a weird choice. So yeah, I'm, I'm a having a moose choice. outside. Should have let you know, kind we, of moment. Literally, like, we, I don't. We talked about this, and I'm having a Groundhog Day moment because we've had this conversation yep. before. We brought it up for measure for measure. Why didn't I read it? In, oh yeah, because I don't want to watch the movie. Okay, it, it's fair. It's probably doesn't hold up for it many does, reasons. It doesn't. Not the least of which is because there's a fucking bed trick in it. All right. So. Yeah, and it's gross. They're like, you need to leave the. Helena lets Diana know, you need to lead Bertram on. You need to make him think that he's winning and be like, oh, I will, in fact, meet with you. But to know that your sincerity, you got to find a way to get that ring off his finger. And And Diana's Diana's like, like, all right, I'm down. I'm down. Yeah, I really hate scandalous men who do scandalous things. And so I will help you scandalize him. And then I will help you do a terrible thing to this man. I did a bad thing. And then we go back to Pierogi again for more of this like subplot. There's a drum involved. Yeah, they, oh. t- they tell him that he left his drum behind enemy lines. And that's apparently like a treasonable offense. So and He's got to go back and get it. But He's this, is, go get his this drum. is where the act break is. This doesn't yeah, make sense. Like, no, the act break shouldn't be here. It should have been earlier. Yeah, the yeah. act break should have been when we left the country of fucking France. That's the act break, right? Yeah. All right. Go on. Shakespeare. Come on. 
do better. Well, we can at least po- possibly, potentially blame Middleton for some of this. I'll blame Middleton for a lot of it. All right. So the French lords are still trying to, I don't know, they're trying to find some way to string Everybody hates Pierogi, Pierogi and the we're all just fucking Because he's them. a dick. So, and he does what, all right, so when people get elevated above, I call it uh, the promotion to incompetence. So oh, they yeah. just keep getting promoted and, promo- and eventually they get to the level where they're like, I don't know what the fuck The Peter do. Principle. Yeah. I'm too dumb for this and I don't know what yeah, to do. Yeah, it, it happens, it happens quite just, a bit and eventually people get promoted to a point where they can no longer even fake it till they make it. There's no, yeah. So he does what a lot of the people I've worked for who are at that level do and he just starts spouting off jargon that makes no sense. Like he's just using big words. Gobbledygook. That's strung together. Like I'm pretty sure I have sounded like this in the past when I'm trying like when I first got into banking, when I was trying to sound like I knew what the fuck I was talking about, mm-hmm. and I would use the word fiduciary, like salt on broccoli or something, just like all we're of gonna the We're going to slap with, the word annuity. Oh, I go with ass- No, you will not use the word annuity. You will get fired. No. <laughs> assets. That's oh, mine. A- assets is a good one. Assets, it's good. It's like, yeah, the assets in this account. We're going to fiduciary mm-hmm. your assets. I'm going to fiduciary. Mm-hmm. Right. Anal yeah. Right. In the- <laughs> <laughs> Rule of three. <laughs> I want you to know. Back. I mean, we're done now. No, no, it doesn't. So it's back, baby. So the rule of three happens also in within a three. So the first three are funny. The second three are not funny. But by the time you get to the last of the three, it's funny. That is the Scott McFarlane. <laughs> mm-hmm. That that's how Family Guy works. Um, okay. His name is Seth McFarlane. I don't though, care. He's not that funny. No, I agree. So, but he just starts like spitting out all of this jargon. He's so scared and he doesn't know what to do. And it just, it was the most real life moment that like we talk about the invention of the human, about how Harold Bloom talked about how Shakespeare invented how we think about people. This is the most human character I have seen in Shakespeare because I know people who fucking do this. Oh yeah. No, no. Everybody knows a pierogi. At least one. Out of context, Shakespeare pod. Everybody knows a pierogi. Everybody knows a pierogi. <laughs> I need that on a button. My buddy, my buddy Rick makes me pierogies. Everybody made, knows a pierogi. Everybody knows a pierogi. I would wear that. I would wear that button proudly. Shakespeare. Everybody knows a pierogi. So then we get to Bertram trying to seduce Diana, mm-hmm. and we get to the the weaponized virginity scene basically so he's trying to woo her she's like you have a wife and he goes yeah but i don't love her yeah but like but do you love me yup uh-huh and so she goes okay fine fine you want you want to say the thing i was gonna you want me to give up my maidenhood to you yup well then i'm gonna need something from you any literal thing including my dick give me that ring on your finger he says, you can't have that. That's the most valuable thing that I own. And she goes, well, you're asking me for what society has said is the most valuable thing that I own. So to me, that seems like an equitable trade. If you want to have sex with me, give me your ring. Chase, would you say the assets were equalized? I mean, it really depends on what that exchange rate is sitting at right now. It really does. It really does. So, <laughs> so. The worth of virginity is a social construct. It oh, doesn't yeah, exist. Yeah, banking, banking talk to is a problem, though. To be fair... 
monetary value of any kind of currency is a social construct. So it doesn't really matter what you're commodifying. So basically what happens is... Marks. Like family honor. <laughs> Bert, Bertram comes in like... He goes, okay. What's up? I love you. And she's like, do you really love me? And he goes, I'm as hard as calculus. <laughs> Did did you is that on your notes? Did you write that one down? We that's made a that joke before. That's, that's a prepared that's his joke. Only notes. That was, that was I'm down. looking at the notebook now. There is no notebook. I'm lying. <laughs> there is no notebook. We've that was the that only joke I, before. Usually by three jokes in or by three beers in, I stop listening to what Ryan is saying. So, <laughs> but um, I look. I have not used that joke in several podcasts. It's true. It's episodes, been a while. So it's okay to bring it back. And yeah. the fact that I can't remember what play we're doing from month to month until two weeks beforehand, like that's two weeks beforehand until three days beforehand. Sometimes. <laughs> also, this is why Ryan and I are still friends after twenty years, is because I forget all of his jokes and they're funny all over again. What? Yeah, what? I offered. I, I also offered, forget best jokes. So I offered to take a, a picture of the post-it and put it nope. in our group chat so we could remember what play we're doing. And no, I was no, 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 no forcefully no, no, shot no, down on that no, idea. No, that's tradition. It's traditional for Beth to ask. Four days before we record. What play are we doing? Look, one time I didn't ask and we all forgot that we had the podcast. And so we were all like 10 minutes late. and was like, oh shit, I got to drive fast. We've only forgotten once. I was, I literally, I texted, I'm on my way. And everyone, oh fuck. In my defense, that was my last day at my previous job. That's true. That's I did true. have other things on my mind. And I have, I had two children under five. So, yeah. Yeah, texted, I'm on my way, and everyone went, oh, fuck, we have to do that tonight. So, yes. okay, moving on to the Florentine camps. Yeah, but anyway, she gets the ring, and she sets up a time. She's like, okay, so meet me here tonight. You have an hour. It's going to be You cannot dark. talk to me. You cannot turn the light on, and we'll do this. It's a Mormon wedding. Wait, what was the? I remember learning in, uh, I took a re- world religion class in high school, which was terrible because I, backwater, Southern Ohio, Appalachian style city. And I remember them talking about some religion. They're like, they would cut holes in the sheets. And so people would have to consummate their marriage just between the holes. I'm like, I doubt that still happens. They're like, mm, it does. <laughs> old so man shouts at cloud yeah so yeah my world religion class was pretty much taught by old man shouts at cloud because they're bad we still had donkey basketball and drive your tractor to work or drive your tractor school day did you have drive your tractor school day there are some there are, i forget which school but one of I the local school districts i think it was eastwood had drive your tractor to school day well, elmwood. Saying, elmwood eastwood elmwood lakota all of them trust yeah. me it's the school districts that i grew up around yeah um, i told my i told my students about driver tractor to school uh, day CEO. and they thought i was making a nope. joke have you did the guy did they do donkey basketball nobody knows anything about your donkey shows beth i don't go to the donkey shows we learned we, we learned that from the annual <laughs> fistule so I'm just going to say it because it makes hey, Cassie, Cassie Ca- make that face. Dear that Cassie students, audio, but. don't Google that. <laughs> I want to get off this train. Don't, also, don't not, Google do it. not Google Blue Wall. You are several <laughs> shows late. It's not a late. real thing, first of all. It's not real. It's like a drop this train. No, just okay. this train in particular. Donkey basketball is exactly what you think it is. 
only there's less players. So it's not 10 versus 10. <laughs> it's five versus five. It's, and they're is... all on donkeys. No, so it's 10 versus 10. Half the team is donkeys. My mind is blown. <laughs> that is not what I thought it was. <laughs> but they literally like donkeys. I remember going to this and being like, why did we move here? <laughs> Mom. We weren't born here. We shouldn't be here. <laughs> Why don't the donkeys have jerseys? What are the chuds they doing? Did, they had like the flap jerseys that would go over the back of them. What I wanted to know is why weren't they wearing diapers? <laughs> like when you see a horse in a parade, it's got the little scoop diaper on so it doesn't shit all over the place. The donkeys didn't. If you got thrown from your donkey... Well, that's half the fun right there for the audience. Right. And it was always in the old elementary school because the gymnasium, like the new high school had a new gym. Yeah, well, yeah gonna, you can't donkey shit that. the new gym. You don't want the donkey walking on it. And they would say, oh, my God. All right, donkey basketball. Don't, don't, so, don't donkey shit my gym. So when I made that Mormon comment, it was based off of a really terrible world religion class that was not based in any fact. Probably. I don't know. Well, I don't look I, under the sheets. I know a lot about Mormons, so. All right. So then the Countess <laughs> has sent a letter to her son that by all accounts, we don't get to see it, unfortunately, but by all accounts, it is scathing. You dumb fuck. Get back here. And I, that's your wife. You're stupid. You, you fuck your wife. <laughs> 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 I want grandbabies and I want them to be hers. You're the worst. She is better than you in every way. Get so, home and fuck your wife. Yeah, we have two soldiers who are talking about this. You fuck my this. wife? The, the two soldiers who delivered the letter and, and one, well, two lords. And the one lord says, there's something in that stings his nature for on the reading he changed almost into another man. Like, you know that's a powerful letter from mom. Oh, yeah. And nobody can write it like mom because the king also wrote a letter, which I'm pretty sure was tisk tisk. Come back and do your duty. Bertram, I am disappointed in you. Really, young man. <laughs> Listen to your mother, who may or may not be my wife soon. Who may, who has already alluded right. to the fact that she could steal your king. <laughs> I could steal your king if I want to. So, so the lords are just you, kind of gossiping about everything and catching the audience up on, yeah. like, oh, in yeah, case it's, it's you missed it. It's the exposition scene. Right, yeah. so, it's the captain's exposition. And it was one of the more enjoyable ones. Yes. Oh, yeah. These exposition scenes, and they happen throughout Shakespeare, because are often some of the best written, like, segments yeah. of his plays, especially in shitty-ass plays. I'm sorry, what we, it was a nasty play. It's a uh, nasty yes. play. It's a nasty play. It's filled with bad hombres and nasty women. Why do the hombres get to be bad, but the women are nasty? A rather nasty play. Oh, it's sorry. a rather, well, it was, rather it was, nasty it was, play. It was the, it's it was a rather the, nasty play. Yeah, it was the whole thing from 2016. Fat hombres and nasty women. That is a hell of a face. It's my frog face. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a good thing we all have faces I for radio. Have, yes, I was going to say and I have so, a face for radio. And so then Bertram comes in and the lords go, hey, we weren't just talking about you. What's up? Nope. <laughs> um, we've arrested <laughs> this guy that's like a traitor because he left his drum somewhere. Uh, he you want to go, <laughs> <laughs> go talk well, to him? The, the, thing is, the thing is, is, they tell him he leaves his drum somewhere. And then he's like, oh, you better, not, go, you better go get it. And so he goes to get it. And they dress up like Florentines, ambush him, 
and capture him. And then they start to fuck with him by one of them's going to pretend like he only speaks Italian, except that they're like, this guy's so dumb, he's not going to recognize Italian. So just like talk gibberish. Just, just and say I'll some talk gibberish, gibberish back to you as an interpreter and we'll just scare the fuck out of him. They, they talked like I like to talk in foreign languages. Like, literally, the line written... Which is incredibly insulting if you're from that culture. The line written into the script, and I'll be the first to admit, I don't speak Italian, but I also don't think this is Italian. The line is, Bosco Cimurco, and the response is, Boblibindo Cicimurco. The only thing I recognized out of that was Bosco, and that made me think of getting Bosco sticks over at Miles. Are you a little hungry now? Yeah, it made me hungry. <laughs> That's valid. <laughs> but now i got to go to Greenville, South Carolina if I want some Miles. Nope. But not Bosco sticks, because that's a separate chain. Oh, no, you can get Bosco's anywhere, but um, I need me some Miles tomato bread. That's fair. Like, stat. So, they <laughs> show to Bertram, they unmask. Uh, Pierogi. Pierogi to Bertram, and they're like, "This guy is a traitor. He's an idiot. We caught him lying. He's a dummy." And Bertram's like, oh, "Jesus, yeah, I know." Yeah, yep, I've met him. And Pierogi goes, "Oh man, I guess everybody's a fool eventually." Wah wah. Oh, bother. like he just gives up. But then he talks shit. Yeah. Talk shit, and he's like yeah. he's like spilling everything he knows that could possibly be a secret. Anything that he he thinks could potentially <laughs> get him out of fucking yes, trouble. Yeah, he's, he's like fucking he's like telling it. him where all the French troops are and who's in charge of them and how many men are in each one. <laughs> he uh, he is the definition of loose lips sink shit. If these guys were actual Italians, like he literally gave them everything. And Bertram's just like standing in the corner with perpetual face palm because it's like. I vouched for this guy. Yeah. You need shut up, shut up, shut up, shut Please up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Yep. Not and the thing is, I think we have skipped the scene, but there's like a scene earlier, like early, early on in the play, when Progi is talking to Bertram and he calls him sweetheart. Like it's when Bertram's super upset about the wedding and Progi's like, Sweetheart, what ails thee? And it's it just it had me flipping back to the beginning when he was first introduced. Just to double check, like Do we, we were told he was Male, right? Yeah, pierogi. pierogi He's not a female, is, and I missed that. But but I think it'd be a really interesting way to play that character well, as being like unabashedly in love with Bertram. Well, maybe maybe Bertram is Gaston, but Lefeu someone else. <laughs> but and this is Lefeu. We have seen no one fucks like Gaston. There are homosexual couples that happen throughout yeah. Shakespeare plays. This this one was just kind of a little more overt. A than lot of the I'm used a lot to. of the time, and if you subtext. directed it that way, it makes Bertram a more re- nope. Never mind. Can't even do it. Not a redeemable character. But well, I mean, it depends. It makes the situation. If he, if, I mean, if, if if Bertram if Bertram if he's just out there like bearding it up, being like, "Yes, I fucked that girl." She's like, "I don't know who he is." Yeah, if if Bertram if Bertram is actually like is gay and leans into his relationship like pretends to be this masculine you know chad fuck boy and he's really been in love with pierogi the entire time it's a trope for the ages until the actual bed trick scene like yeah that's where that's that's where that that's where that interpretation dies 
I know. But it could have been interesting. It could have but been it something. could it could definitely have added depth. But you can still have they can be a best no, couple. No, absolutely. But Bertram And then this scene happens and Bertram's like, No, you're a fucking idiot. I can't I can't do that anymore. Yeah. So that, I mean, maybe they were a couple. Maybe they were a couple, and, and, and that's entirely that's that's entirely that possible. Would, that would be an interesting way to do this play, especially if you want to draw attention to the plot, the plight of uh, bisexual characters. Yeah, I would say for sure. Look, we found a reason to do a play. Huh? It's like we can't find a reason. Every single play, we find a reason to do one of them. Well, and I think it definitely adds a different, you know, and a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, homosexual characters in Shakespeare are, it's subtext, right? It's not, yeah. it's not the text. It's subtext. Um, which will be a thing that we talk about when we get to one of my favorites of the obscure plays. Twelfth Night? No. Um, about the difference between subtext and text when it comes to the homosexuality of the play. I can't call it the anus play now. Damn it. All right. Has so, this become the anus play? This yeah. Is the, yeah. All's well that ends well. Ending <laughs> being the right term. As All's, in your bottom. <laughs> all right. All's well that anal so, fistulas will. No. So some, all right. Let's get back to the play. Chase, How about that? Chase Please. even winced at that. Right. That was a that was a long so, walk for a really shitty scene, peer. Scene four. Oh, it was. Bring it back. Scene four is also a short scene in which they're just discussing what they're going to do to Bertram. Like the widow and Diana and Helena are like, let's you you go here. I'll go here. I'll be in the bed. You can leave. You don't have to lose your maidenhead to this. It's all good. We're fine. Scene five. And there's there's some talk in that scene of Helena going, I'm doing this in order to keep him from breaking the law. Because if he has sex with me, it's not against the law. If he has sex with you, it's against the law. And also, it is still rapey. It is still very rapey. So next, whether whether or not he's that doesn't make it okay. Whether whether or not he's consummating his own marriage, that's we, the conversation yeah. that that Ooh. she's having. We will move. We will get back to that. Yes. All right. So in the next scene, however, we're back to the countess who's got another letter. So something always gets missed in translation when things are done through text or through letter, and something that was lost is I don't know that Helena is alive. Because the Countess now believes that Helena's dead. And so does Lafew. And so does Bertram. But it sounds to me like Lafew seems to be the one who's propagating this. I don't think that Lafew believes she's dead based on his actions later. No, but the Countess and Bertram both believe that she is dead. And, And part of it is Bertram has told Diana... My wife is dead. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to marry you as soon as my wife is dead. Yeah. As soon as I don't have a wife anymore, we're good. It's all like Donkey Kong. And that's a really important conversation because it comes back later it, to kind oh, of bite him in the butt. It does. Uh, but he tells me, he's like, hey, as soon as I don't have a wife, I'll marry you. Yeah. But let me, let me get some first. <laughs> gotta, gotta test it. All right. On to the what? last act. Thank God. So, Helena and the widow, and 
Yeah, Helena and the widow and Diana arrive looking for the king. What? Hold on. Did I skip a scene? No. Yes, you've got Lefeu talking to Pierogi. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I skipped the... a scene. I'm sorry. That's why I'm confused. I'm like, hold on. Why are we already here? Okay. Yeah. So Lefeu and the countess are talking. Helen, well, no, Helena does come looking for the king. And with the widow, because she's going to sort this all out. And she's told, oh, the king's not here. Uh, the king's gone to visit Countess Rosilia, and that's right. where he is. Right. And so Lefeu... Yeah, he did. So Lefeu gets permission from the king while he's visiting the countess to marry his daughter to Bertram. This is an important part. Yeah, since since Helena is dead. Since Helena is, dead, is supposedly dead. It's like, hey, can I marry my daughter? To the count. Sure, why not? I don't and, like him. And Bertram's like, yeah, that sounds good. Marrying the daughter of this lord. I'll do it. I like that. I'll do yeah. it. She's not a poor doctor. All right, so... Fucking Chad. Right, exactly. And so, yeah, Bertram comes in. He's been summoned back home by the king and his mother. And they're like, we're going to arrange this marriage for you. We're so sorry about Helena. He's like, yeah, I'm really sorry about it, Oh, too. I'm so torn up about it. So torn up about oh, it. Oh, God. I was so sad. Yeah, I'm crying. What a bummer. So Lefeu yeah. gives... And, oh. and so then it's like, okay, I need you to give me... We wrote you about this. I need you to just give me a ring that I can give to my daughter. And so Bertram hands this ring over. And the king goes, well, uh, uh, hmm, hold on. Hang on. So Wait, just one second. When Diana asked for his ring... She gave him a ring in exchange. And this is the ring he is handing over. Yeah, and this is the ring he's handing over. And he's like, uh, where'd you where'd where's, you get this? Where's and Bertram's like, Oh, some random girl yeah, in Florence yeah. like threw it at me from yeah. a window. No 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 Biggie didn't really know her glass. Nope. And the king's like, Bullshit. That's, that's my ring. I gave it to Helena, your wife. Where'd you get this ring? And so the king instantly goes to You killed your wife? Because I told you to marry her and you didn't like it. And Bertram's like, no, I fucking didn't. Joker. And Diana comes in and she goes, well, he did tell me he would marry me once his wife was dead. I'm like, okay, oh, arrest, arrest Bertram, please. Arrest him. Bertram's like, this has all gotten wildly out of hand. I didn't mean any of that. I'm going back. I, a pierogi. Diana, help, if help you were out. a cop, you had to tell me. Otherwise, it's <laughs> this entrapment. This is entrapment. <laughs> <laughs> so... And Diana's written a letter, because everything happens in letters in this play. She's written a letter to the king, and the king reads it out loud, and it basically just says, Even though she's in the fucking room. Yes. Um, um, He won me his... Basically, she writes a letter going, He told me that he would marry me when his wife was dead, and now his wife is dead, and so I have the prior claim, uh, not this lord's daughter. He has to marry me now. And then Lefeu's like, I will not wed my daughter to this man. I don't like him. I don't like him anymore. This He's is this dick. is done. So the king is still like, all right, all right. So I understand that you have the prior king, and I understand the few. You don't want to put your daughter with this dickhead anymore. But can somebody please tell me how you got Helena's ring? Can you please like, tell me how you got this ring that I gave to your and, wife? And then it does this whole wordplay thing, like, what ring? I don't, I don't it's even not my her. ring. No. And then out from behind a curtain on the back of the room, she'd been there the whole time. Surprise! Just as a statue. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God damn it. Not a she statue. was a statue that came to life. But that scene, Fox. 
trying to figure out the ring and who did Bertram sleep with and what's like that takes like five pages. It's, it's so long and it's like all full of this like first? clever wordplay with these people who know the secret just kind of reveling in the fact that they know this secret that the other people don't it, know. It, it is absolutely a who's on first. Oh yeah, it's who's on first. It's but actually it's, it's actually fun. It's not like it's a, a drag ba- to read. It's actually kind of funny. Who's on boundary. first? But it involves Bertram's dick. And the, so the just, king just like gets... the exposition scene, this scene because it is a volley. Yeah, it's a good scene. It's yeah, good it's scene. actually got some good wordplay to it, and it catches the audience up on some things that I don't think we see on stage in right. the play. Well, and so eventually the king gets so frustrated that he's like, "Can someone just arrest that woman too? Because she's driving me crazy." She won't stop talking. She won't stop talking. She won't answer my questions. And then Diana's like, no, 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 no. Just go and get the woman who's standing out in the hallway observing all of this and being amused. So Helena comes in. And Jerry Springer's like, oh, yeah? Did you think this was happening? Well, they've been waiting here the whole time. And Helena walks in, and she's pregnant. So here's well, my problem. Well, in some stagings, uh, she's actually got the baby already. So here's my problem with this. If Rome is less than a half a day's ride from France... They just that- waited a while. Well, they, were, they were in Florence, so... Well, that's- see, oh, so it's a little bit see, longer. It's, is- one, it's, it's one gestational period yeah, right away. Clearly, clearly well, 10 months well, the thing, away. The thing is that Helena's not going to come to to play the last bit of the game until she has everything in hand to throw back at Bertram with what he said, you know, I will not marry you until you have this ring that you pried, you know, that from my finger and you are delivered of a child for whom I am the father. So she can't come back until she's like pretty far along in being pregnant or has the baby so that she can say, and Look once, at this baby, you he's yours. And once she appears with this magic baby, Bertram goes, you well, glue up. You glue up. It's like, well, when yeah, you I said that you. you loved me, I didn't know you loved me this much. I that really... you would do all of this stuff for love of me, King. I love her. I'm going to take her. her. And the King's like, the fuck, I'm going to stat right in the neck. And then Helen is like, no, no, no. This is what I want. Are you sure? Yeah. Ugh. You could do better. You could do a lot better. So much better. There were so, guys that really liked you, like, <laughs> like several acts ago. Doesn't matter. I've chosen my man. I know he has face tattoos, but I really, I really <laughs> think a, we can make he's it. He's a work. fucking SoundCloud I, mumble rapper, I think, I think, but he's mine. <laughs> I think maybe my favorite. <laughs> Is SoundCloud even still a thing? I don't know, but this fucking Bertram Chad motherfucker is definitely a face tattooed SoundCloud rapper. <laughs> so, so to end the whole play, like everything's all tied up. Everybody's in love. Yay, the king and the countess still not married because I don't even know why that was mentioned. No, but, but they're banging. But clearly, let's go to an epilogue where the king comes out and goes, this was a shit ass play. (laughs) So what I need for you guys to do so the actors don't hang themselves tonight is applaud now. You got it. You got that. I'm the king. Applaud. And he's just begging. No, it's it's the king's a beggar. Now the play is done. All is well ended. If this suit be one that you express content, which we will pay with strife to please you day exceeding day. Ours be your patience then and yours our parts. Your gentle hands lend us and take our hearts. 
But I love that you express content. Like, it's, we don't even want you to be happy about it. We just, just want you to be like, okay with it. Are you happy you, to leave? I just need yeah, you then to content. express content. So you this, do not have to feel content. Just express, just express it. it. Either is, way, you're walking out the door in five minutes. Actually, Beth, I think one of my favorite takeaways from the show, because the way that it ends is kind of like, mm. but I think my, one of my favorite takeaways is that after the whole debacle with the drum with pierogi he earns himself a new nickname and from like there to the end everybody just refers to him as tom drum and he's never gonna well, lose that nickname and when he when he <laughs> arrives because for some reason he comes back to the countess's court as well uh there's a whole scene for it it's unnecessary which is i think why we didn't touch on it the but entire he, well everything show, that involves everything him is him. unnecessary he shows up wearing better clothes more realistic i don't know they describe them as being like more appropriate clothing so he was dressed above his station now he's not which was a thing in restoration england that you needed to be dressed at your station level like the size of your ruff the color of your cuff all that kind of stuff denoted who you were inside society blah 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 i took too many classes in college so he comes back in appropriate clothing and the clown's like you don't look like a jackass now he's like thanks and then that's the scene i'm tom drum tom drum drum it drum drum Dramedy, drum, drum, drum. Not drama, you. So oh, the king also offers Diana the same prize he offered Helena at the end in this last bit. You can pick whoever like, you want hey, to marry. You were kind of amusing, and I guess you did your part in all this. Uh, so go ahead, pick a husband for my court. That's never led anybody to the wrong never, path before. That's literally <laughs> never only lead to before. my amusement at any rate. <laughs> that's literally never been a problem before. I don't know why anyone would so, think that this was a bad idea. I've been, and something we should think about over the break between this podcast and the next one, uh, which is like 10 minutes for us. 10 minutes for us, but two weeks for yeah. everyone at home. Is, think of all, and for the most part, we dog on these romances hardcore because they're dumb. Um, and most romantic comedies, if you try to break them down into like theory and uh Well, this plot. one's not a romance anyway because it does take place over long Ryan, three days. Ryan, enough. I don't give a flying fuck. You called it a romance. It's not a romance. This rom-com. How about that? Can I get away with it? No, it's it? a comedy. You can't call you it a romance because that's... are technic- only still alive because I love your wife. <laughs> you've known me way longer than you've known my wife. Yeah, and she is the only reason you survive. <laughs> but you can't call it a romance. That's a classification of a Shakespeare play. Romance with a lowercase r. There's nothing romantic in this play. I would like it if you would slam your face on the table because I'm way too lazy to get up and do it. <laughs> Good luck with that. Can you fit your whole mouth around the microphone? Uh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't, God, like I can't even talk now because I know that as soon as I open my mouth, Ryan's going to say some dumbass shit. <laughs> is that the whole point of this? It is. It is. I'm super. Somebody you told do me it to, to me. I was describing our podcast to somebody today. They're like, when are you going to send me the link to your podcast? I'm like, here it is. By the way, my name's spelled wrong uh, on our podcast website. And I almost emailed you at work. I'm like, that's... <laughs> yeah, why, why, why are you blasting me on this now? You're, blast- you're, this? you're, you're, you're calling him to task I wanna, I wanna right tell here you. in the podcast? Yeah, R-H-O-R. Like, I'm the Rohan. And <laughs> okay. I like at first, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I'm a writer of Rohan. Yeah. Is that what you meant? Sure. You can't put him on blast. He's not on podcast, blast. Okay, for, I think you should all know that I think Chase Greenlee is an incredibly talented individual. Uh, I've had enough beers to think he's pretty awesome. Um, you're kind of pretty when I'm drunk. 
but he, occasionally he can't spell things well. I and frequently. My name I, gets, I, that has been a long-standing tradition well, of my life that I can't spell I've, for shit. I have only had this name for ten years. Um, I in have that, in that ten years, I've probably put the H in the wrong place plenty of times. Where do you put the H in the word roars? <laughs> there shouldn't be. A one. lot of people don't even have an H in when they're spelling yeah, the word. Most roars. of the time, I get like R O A R. I'm like. Mm. Rawr. I mean, you're, <laughs> Rawr. Correct, but no. <laughs> correct, but, but no. <laughs> like that does spell roars. Are you saying rahor? Hi, Mrs. Rahors? Uh, no, it's like roars, like a lion. Oh, is it an A? No, it's spelled right. You no, just, but it is. It is in fact an but H. But anyway, either way, Beth, not, three three hours ago, you had a point to make. I did. Oh snap! Oh, she's sassy today. It's because I put her husband on blast. I didn't realize I was putting him on blast. I don't think so. Either way. <laughs> So I was sending over. I also had a lot of coffee on my way down. I was sending this over. This is not even the point that I was referencing, but keep going, and then we'll go back further. Fuck. Maybe I'm... you just you just broke her brain. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I was sending out the podcast. Nope, I'm done. Fuck it, Cassie. Now I'm trying to think of what I forgot that I was thinking. About. You were telling somebody the, about the podcast. About the, yeah, I was telling somebody about the podcast. I'm like, don't read, don't listen to this one. Really enjoy this one. I think. Uh, I really love Cleopatra. Um, I really liked Winter's Tale. I really liked As You Like It. These are all good ones to to get into it with. Winter's Tale, I think, is the like, one that why, I would point why, anyone to for first. She's like, like, why don't you want me to listen to Romeo and Juliet? I'm like, because you're just going to listen to me being uh, irritated for like two hours. She goes, don't you know that you being irritated is the funniest thing? <laughs> <laughs> I need to meet this. I need to meet this woman. You Who can't. is this? It's Michaela. Okay. I need to meet this woman because you being irritated is like the funniest thing. <laughs> She's like, when you're irritated, you're hilarious. I'm like, oh, fuck. Is that why I'm here? That's why you're here. Damn it. But before all of this. Where was I going? I don't know. <laughs> you doesn't... said there's something for us to think about in the break between the podcasts. <laughs> and then <laughs> we, did, we rode the train to some weird random Oop. place. Oh, to Anal Fisters. <laughs> All right. No. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't. I did. All right. So in the oh, break, I want shit. us to think about all of these shit. Oh, now I know why I got derailed, too. All of these sh- romances. I didn't cut. <laughs> romances. If I use just a different vowel sound, is he going to stop being an asshole? No, he'll be laughing too hard. All right. Think of how we've put them on blast. All right. So we, we continuously... Just dog on him over and over again. Which one? Because I think we're... We just have a couple left. We have a couple. Well, we have two. We have two. But they're typically two that people like. You don't... I know. Don't talk. I like one, not the other. All right. One is good. The other one is garbage. So, how do they level out for you? If you could build. If you could Frankenstein. We so many from this We one. do. Now, if you could Frankenstein together... A romantic comedy from Shakespeare. What pieces would you pull? Ooh. Would you pull any from this play? That's a good question. Thanks. Uh, that is a good question. Th- thanks. I, I know. Be, I'm, I'm surprised. I could be a, I could be a modern. <laughs> shut the fuck up. You shut the fuck up. I literally can't right I, now. 
I am pretty, I, I, I'm pretty sure the coffee I drank on the way down here has finally kicked the fuck in. Yeah, and you this, got real fast. I know. Your this, mouth started going real quick. I know. I'm aware. Sometimes those Gilmore girls, they talk so fast, but they talk so true. That's I how I go. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. I, don't know about that, I feel like okay. whatever Shakespeare rom com we can Frankenstein together is still not going to reach the pinnacle of the rom com that I'm writing with my coworker. <gasps> I want to Which hear it. it's called Terminal Love. They're both ghosts. And it takes place in an really airport. Really hoping they were at an airport. They are at an airport. <laughs> they are ghosts yeah. at an airport. I but, okay, they don't know the other one's a ghost. But they don't know the other one is a ghost. The twist is that the the point of view character also doesn't know that they are a ghost. Yes. I think There's the other one's figured it out. There's a lot of not knowing about ghosts going on. Okay. Also, what? it's a Christmas. Still, also, it's Christmas. Also, it's a Christmas, also, it's a Christmas rom-com. Well, still better than the last thing I saw that had terminal in the name. So Traditionally, Christmas stories should be ghost stories. We tell ghost stories at Christmas. It's true. Because we have to scare ourselves through the solstice. Mm-hmm. And on that note, this has been Shakespeare Podcast. Are you, are you trying to do your ASMR NPR voice? What the hell is this? this ASNPR. Absolutely. ASNPR. Absolutely. Can I get those uh, call signs again or something fiduciary? <laughs> I see. I didn't know what I was talking Essence. about, so I just grabbed some jerk. So you just said <laughs> fiduciary. Uh, I just think that the capital return will really, really accrue a lot of compounded I'm Cassie Greenlee. That's a big old banking fiduciary. <laughs> I have no other skills. <laughs> They're Ryan Halfill, Beth Roars, and Chase Greenlee, and we're done. Oh, Cassie. you have other skills, just not marketable ones. <laughs> Cassie, Cassie just took that over. I can, I can do this too. Hey, Ready? say good, say good night, John Boy. Boop. Good night, John Boy. Good night, John Boy. What, Paul? No. Magic, maybe. <laughs> Dicks. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.